Good afternoon. This is Dr. Charles Benz, and you're listening to Healing Trends with Dr. Benz. And I have a program that I never thought that I would be able to give today or wanted to give today, but it's what it is. And so the title is Monkeypox. Here we go again. I've got my friend and colleague John Barson in the studio, and John, we kind of knew there was going to be something else coming down the pike for uh, viruses and and diseases like this, infectious diseases, but I didn't know it was going to be the ugly cousin of smallpox. What's your take on it, and are you probably as frustrated as everybody else that uh, here we go again with another problem like this? Boy, (laughs) where do you start? I mean, monkeypox was first really prevalent, not really prevalent, but it raised this ugly little head about 22 years ago. And uh, they spent 20 years trying to figure out a vaccine. And somehow, just two years ago, the FDA approved one, just in time. Coincidence? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, with all the problems that they've been having with the COVID-19 vaccination, and I know there'll be a lot of people that might disagree with that, but in the practitioners that I work with on a regular basis, we're getting a lot of reaction to the vaccination, especially with children. And we're having to do some extraordinary workarounds, if you will, for the problems that the vaccine is creating for many people. And I just worry, I guess, because that's my nature, that this will be the same thing with this monkeypox, that, yeah, there's a vaccine for it, but is it going to be questionable in terms of how long it will last or how effective it will be? And right now they're having a rollout problem. They can't seem to produce it fast enough and get it out to the communities that need it. And the World Health Organization says the same thing. So I don't know. I'm thinking maybe there's people out there who don't want to jump on the vaccine bandwagon, and they'd rather have something natural to help them to prevent it and treat it if it does happen. What's your take on it? Is this everybody on the vaccination bandwagon? Well, the one thing the major media is not reporting on is that according to the CDC, there is no data yet available on the effectiveness of either of the vaccines that they're using for the current monkeypox outbreak. They're relying on older data available from animal studies and clinical trials and studies in Africa. And who's to say the monkeypox version that they were trying to develop these first two vaccines for is the same strain as what we're being exposed to today. We know there's going to be stories about that almost immediately, isn't there? There's going to be variations. There's going to be mutations. The one that's out there today will not be the same one that's out there a month from now. And so you're right. I think that this lack of science, and I mean, this really speaks to the problems that the CDC has been having for, well, now it's finally being reported that they're admitting that they really messed up badly on the COVID-19 and they need to get their act in order. And so now trust is a factor. Do we really trust the CDC to come out with anything that's going to be reliable? And so again, back to my original statement, I think maybe people are really anxious to find out, is there something that somebody else with a little more credibility at this point can say about the monkeypox that would give them some confidence that they have a defense mechanism set up. 
Well, we have to look at that, right? Because given that there have been no randomized clinical trials done, but lots of immunobridging type of studies and sort of uh, trial by fire studies for testing post-exposure prophylaxis of healthcare workers in Africa. But um, just like repurposed drugs and multi-drug and multi-stage treatments for COVID, there are studies that suggest efficacy, which the FDA jumped on that bandwagon and granted full licensure. Yeah, but isn't that funny that they would do that without any of the trials that you and I know are needed, and especially the long-range the long studies? They had a chance. They had two years to do this, and again, they dropped the ball. They didn't do any kind of long-term studies, and they had enough people. They, they might have had to go to Africa to get the number of patients that they needed to do the studies, but I'm sure that they were available, and they could have had at least some small trials done, so here we are again, and now people are starting to worry, how fatal is this? When how, what's the mortality rate? And one of the doctors I know in North Carolina said she's seen studies showing that it's up over 4%, which is double or triple what the COVID-19 mortality was. And so, yeah, is it as bad as smallpox? Again, the reports say probably not. It doesn't have the same fatality that the smallpox had when it was out in the public in the 1950s, but that can change too. And also it, it's a disease with a lot of different things in it, like the incubation period, how long it takes to go out, what the symptoms are. There's lots of things that are different this time around. And I know people are probably exhausted, but I think you have to protect yourself. And so I think we're gonna give them some stuff today that might just be the thing that's the, the good backup system for a person that has an interest in this area. Right. Well, I also look at the numbers of um, adverse reactions, and then you have to look at the community that is going to be exposed to monkeypox. And according to the numbers that I'm reading and seeing and trying to analyze, by far the majority of people that are being exposed to monkeypox are men having sex with men. So I think that you know, and that's their thing. It's nothing to do with me. But what's going to not shock me is that, of course, there's going to be a campaign at some point here to make sure every baby is vaccinated against monkeypox. Well, and that was my concern. Well, maybe not a concern. It's a reason I didn't sort of jump on the monkeypox bandwagon and do research right away because I thought it was a pretty isolated community and they would be able to get it under control just by doing the tracking and, and making sure that people were having safe sex and all the rest of that. But it right. seems like now it's spreading to a larger population because, you know, everybody that's uh, gay, uh, sometimes those people, what do they say, go both ways? And so oh, then bisexual. They they're bisexual. Yeah, yeah it's just, there's <laughs> a bisexual a subgroup for sure. Yeah. And now we're finding out that it can spread on clothing, that it can stay active for like somewhere between 7 and 24 hours, and that pets have been known to transmit it. We're just starting to get the impact of this thing because we don't really have that much exposure to it. But now, right. after a couple of people have talked to me about it and said, you know, you really should pay more attention to this and see if you can come up with a strategy, then I thought, okay, all right, you got my attention. I'm busy on other projects, but it looks like this might be the next thing that I need to pay some attention to. And so I did some research and, and found out there are some things, but most of the things that I found, I don't know whether you found the same, are actually things that were found that were good for smallpox. And so I'm kind of trying to draw a parallel between the two. And I think that 
most of the scientists and doctors are doing the same thing, that if there's other alternatives, you better start with smallpox and see how many of those treatments that worked after the vaccines were developed, natural ones that were just as effective but came later, then maybe that's the way we should look at this, that that's probably the future possibilities for treating monkeypox. That's a great approach because we've had thousands of years of hands-on practice and holistic treatments. I'm definitely that guy that will look into alternative treatments before I'll rely on a doctor to give me a pill. Well, an interesting thing about this is, and you probably found the same thing that I did, is that the first thing they came out with in the literature was, this, has, this smallpox has been around before, <laughs> and I'm sure it was in Europe, and I'm sure it was other places in the world, but in North America anyway, the natives of the continent had some experience with pox, and the Micmac Indians up in Nova Scotia were one of the first to come up with the use of an herbal remedy that was able to suppress the, the postables and actually kill them. And uh, that's the thing that's coming up in the science, that this uh, Saracenia purpurea is an herbal remedy that seems to have a lot of efficacy in this area. And there was even a, an article written in the Chicago Medical Journal in around 1850 that actually documented some of the cases where this was used. And they're giving the native, the native people the, the credit for this. And so I thought that was fascinating. I mean, I'm a history buff too. And so this was really interesting. And we know between you and I that all the South American natives, all the African natives and all the North American natives, they've been doing natural remedies for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's where most of the medicines come from. I don't think people really understand this, that most of the medicines have their roots in these native traditional medicines that have been around for a long time. And this is just another example of that. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. What, what pharma does is pharma has, I mean, they're looking at those remedies because obviously they want people to buy their product and not use an herbal remedy. So they'll investigate, you know, yarrow, which can be used for smallpox, and try and isolate one component in yarrow and see if they can turn that into a patented pharmaceutical drug. And uh, the problem with that, and I mean, this is common knowledge, you know, yourself and the functional medicine doctors and the holistic doctors that we work with, they understand this. It's the mechanism of action of these ingredients. It's not one thing. It's a bunch of different things that uh, work together to make them effective. You can't just isolate one thing. Not only that, because it's been around for thousands of years, we've had generations of different populations who have learned and their bodies have learned that these are acceptable remedies. So if you try to take one or two components and then add some molecules so that you can have a patent, you have to have some original molecular strategy or structure in order to make a patent out of anything. And so once they do that, then the body doesn't recognize it. And so that's why they're getting so many rejections from so many people because the body said, wait a minute, we don't see that, we don't notice that, we don't recognize that, and so we're gonna give you a reaction to that that tries to get that the heck out of my body and try to defend myself against it. So it ends up that all these symptoms that you hear on the radio and television and in the print media, 
pages and pages of bad reactions to, to pharmaceutical drugs, it's because there's a molecular structure there that the body does not recognize, and that's why you get these negative reactions. I don't know whether everybody understands that, but I understand it. You understand it. I hope a lot of our listeners do too, because that's why natural approaches are better. Yeah, here's another analogy as a takeoff on that. Picture, if you will, I think it's fairly common knowledge that viruses mutate. And if you try to vaccinate with a leaky vaccine, it's scientifically known that uh, if you have a leaky vaccine that doesn't actually kill the virus, that the virus can mutate. So think of it this way. Think of a single drug that a pharmaceutical company will create and think of it in terms of a fight. So where the cells have to fight off the virus or that medication has to fight off that virus, think of it like a war. Think of it as the difference between if somebody's going to fight me and I'm going to get into a physical fight and it's just one guy. And I'm like, huh, how could I defeat this guy? It might take some practice because he might be bigger and stronger than me, but I'm going to come up with a way to defeat that guy and that'll make me stronger. But what if it's an army I'm facing? It's 20,000 guys. How am I going to defeat that? And I think that's the difference between the mechanism of action of these holistic products. And I always like to use organic oregano oil <laughs> as, as my example for fighting infection, for protecting my gut, because we don't understand all the mechanisms of action of oregano oil, but it's so complex that when it's fighting bad bacteria in my body, the bacteria doesn't really have a chance because it's like an army going after that bacteria as opposed to one thing that it can eventually defeat. It's, it's funny that you would say that because one of the products of our new sponsor, Cardio Miracle, they have 53 ingredients in their product. And we've already recognized 700 defensive actions that are created by those 53 molecules. And so you're right. There's so many pathways and all these pathways have a different way of looking at something. And there's these 53 nutrients and all of a sudden they're going through the body and going, oh, oh, that's a pathway. We want to take that one too. And then we want to take that one. And, and so they've already identified 700 different biochemical reactions that are not only producing more nitric oxide in the body, but the nitric oxide is then starting to repair damage to the endothelial lining of the arteries. And the whole thing goes on and on and on. So that's a great, that's a great example of how the natural approaches often are an army because they activate so many different pathways in the body. Absolutely. Well, here you go. I'm gonna go right from the top of the list. A strong immune system, that's the first thing every one of these articles has said. And then go back to the natives, go back to either South America or Africa or North America. What were the natives eating? They weren't eating French fries and, and hamburgers and, and milkshakes, okay? They were eating all natural foods. So the chances of any of them having a really bad immune system was just not there. So that's the first thing we have to do because we've done a lot of things to jeopardize our immune system. And so we have to start, go back and eat pure. Eat what we call a variation of a plant-based Mediterranean diet. But with large amounts of vitamin C and vitamin D and some of the herbal remedies that we know about oregano and just making sure you're just sort of getting your immune system up to its full potential, 
And then high levels of vitamin D and vitamin C. I mean, again, with monkeypox, we're finding out vitamin D is one of the best defense mechanisms because there's so many genes in the body that are impacted by it that are related to illness. And vitamin C is like the all-purpose antioxidant of all time and antiviral of all time. And so higher doses will get you, well, vitamin C will fill up your white blood cells, which is about 50% of your immune system. So, but if you have sugar in there, sugar has a similar molecular structure. So if you don't have enough vitamin C, but you have a lot of sugar, then your white blood cells are gonna be filled up with sugar. And that means your white blood cells won't be effective. And that means your immune system can be compromised by up to 75%. So that's the first thing people have to do is get off of the alcohol and the sugar and the fried foods and, and all the other fast foods and start to really eat a pure, mostly vegetarian and fruit-like diet. And then you're going to have a stronger immune system. So that's that's number one before beyond anything else. Well, really. well can I bring up another one there that sure. people I don't understand? Well, I mean, I do understand. Soda, Coca-Cola, pop, all yeah. these drinks that people drink. I mean, one can of Coke kills your immune system for what, two to four hours? Yeah, it just, exactly it right. just completely, completely suppresses it. Just completely suppresses it. Well, we have this discussion almost every other topic because it's, it's yes. so relevant. And so we know that some people are going to make some changes and others are going to make none at all. And we, we right. hope none of those people are listening to our show because we don't, want to, <laughs> yeah. we, we don't want to embarrass them. We just want to educate them. Exactly. But exactly. Now, now that you've got the right diet, let's hopefully people have, have said, okay, we'll do that. One of the things that they can actually do to help that along is to get a green drink. And uh, I, the one I like the most is Greens First, and it gives you the equivalent of seven to nine helpings of fruits and vegetables without all the sugar. And it's just one scoop in whatever shake you make it in. And so that will pump up your immune system tremendously in an easy way. It's almost like having a food-based multiple vitamin. And so that's why I like a green powder drink because I think it's actually better than a multivitamin. So that's the other thing I would add to the diet is that have one scoop of this cream powder in a health shake with some vegetables and fruits and coconut oil and coconut milk. And then all of a sudden your immune system is going to say, oh, thank you very much. You just did a very nice thing. We really appreciate that. Well, and, and I just want to tell the listeners, you know, just go to Dr. Ben's website because he, in my, my humble opinion, has probably the best green drink right there. So... Yeah, it's been studied, and I try to do that with all the things that I recommend, and I really appreciate you saying that, because it actually, they did these studies to find out what the ORAC value was, so the oxygen radical, you know, they found out that the greens first had the highest rating for the reduction of free radicals in the body than any other green drink that they tested. So I think somebody got it right. When they get it right, they should be rewarded. And I think that's the well, case Well, I, I just remember when you first mentioned it, when I started working with you early on, you brought that up. And I thought, huh, there are so many different green drinks on the market. I'm going to look into that. So I went actually, because I was using two or three different brands, and uh, I looked into it, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Not only has this got the research behind it, and it's a fantastic product, but it turns out it was also the least expensive green drink I had purchased. Oh, my. <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that helps the budget. The dispensary that I'm in does a really good job of keeping prices down, and, and the practitioner has an option as to how much percentage, and I always give the optimal percentage of reduction. So here's the list, and you mentioned one. You mentioned the yarrow herb, and I mentioned one, the Saracenia purpurea, but here's another one. It's a friend of ours called nanoparticle silver, and it's there almost in every case, whether it's a virus or a bacteria or a pox, that the silver can degrade the lining of the cell and get down to the core and kill it. And so that's one of the things that silver does really, really well is that usually these poxes and the bacteria and the viruses, they have a protective coating. Their membrane is really, really strong. And cancer is the same, really, really strong. But things like silver break down that barrier, that membrane, and then if you wanna kill something, now you've got access to the molecule and you can actually kill it. So that's why silver does so well in, in this area. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I'm gonna give out the brand name because uh, I love these guys. This is unsponsored to the listeners. This is not a sponsored anything. Silver Biotics is the company name and it's nanoparticle silver, which is slightly different from the colloidal silver you're probably familiar with. My brother came out with his dogs a couple of weeks ago for a couple of days of camping and a friend came by and the little dog nipped his leg and broke the skin. So I don't go anywhere without my tube of silver gel. They have the liquid that you can drink and use uh, actually as a nasal spray too. It's fantastic as a nasal spray. I just buy those little uh, nasal bottle things from Amazon and I put my silver liquid in there so I can protect my nasal passages and all that from viruses. But uh, yeah, the silver gel, I've used it myself on uh, lots of cuts and scrapes and everything, and it heals fast. I've spoken about it in the past. I had a really bad accident, uh, wiped out on my bike and scraped the skin right to the bone on my elbow. And I couldn't, that was the very first time I ever used the silver gel and my elbow healed so fast and with virtually no scarring. It was incredible. You know, hospitals are using it. And this yes, is this is the, yes. this is a really peculiar thing because yes. if, if you tell some people about silver, they go, "Oh, that doesn't work," and then they come back to you a month later and they say, oh, "I was in the hospital for an open wound; it wouldn't heal." And guess what they put on it? It was silver. And I, yes. I just feel like saying, "I told you so." But it's really funny how medicine will will select where they want to use it and how much they want to advertise it. Right? Right. If it works, if it works, they'll find the place where nothing else works. And then they'll say, let's use it, not tell anybody. And that's, you know, it's a little nefarious in my opinion, but I love to be able to say that to people. It's the same thing with magnesium. You know, try to get a doctor, an allopathic doctor, to tell you magnesium is good for you, especially your heart, and they'll laugh at you. But ask them what the ambulance drivers put in the person on the way to the hospital, an IV with what in it? Magnesium. And so I love to tell those stories, but it, it, it destroys this whole myth that somehow or other these products aren't reputable. Yeah, yeah, they are. And, and medicine knows how to use them when they have to. And so those are, okay, those I are just two. Wanna, I, we're going to get off topic here. I don't want to get off topic, but a month ago I was just having really terrible night cramps, I think because it's so hot. The weather's been really hot and I've been working a long hours in the sun. And uh, I went down to my local health food store and I got a bottle of magnesium by glycinate. And right. I started taking that twice a day. No more leg cramps. 
<laughs> well, listen, I tell people that the nice thing about the body is that these magnesium deficiencies, which 70% of people have, they usually manifest in the extremities, like the arms and the legs. Because if they didn't, and they went to the place where magnesium is most needed in the brain and the heart, we'd have far more strokes and brain problems and heart attacks because at least you get those signals that something's wrong and then you can correct it with some magnesium and in some cases you need more potassium too. But I think it's really interesting that the body gives us these warning signals and now a lot of people know about magnesium. They also don't know a lot of the times that it's difficult to use in a digestive formula because sometimes it can cause diarrhea if you take too much of it. But you can also get it in a gel and put it on your legs and it'll penetrate the skin and go in without going through the digestive system. So that's an option. I just want people to know that. So um, Okay, well, let's get back on track here. So I, I meant to uh, send you this link before we went on the air so you could review it because you're the expert. But uh, herbpathy.com. That's herb, H-E-R-B, pathy.com. They've got a fantastic list of holistic treatments for smallpox. It's uh, the Materia Medica herbal treatments for smallpox. So it's backed by science. And uh, they have a whole list of single herbs that you can use from vinegar to swampy, tansy, yarrow, as I mentioned earlier, bistort, pennyroyal, a golden seal, asparagus, uh, racemosis. But they also have, now these are sponsored links, but I, I want to refer to these because we're different. Like there's no one size fits all solution for just about anything, right? I mean, our bodies react differently, but they do have a list of multiple herbs from, these are sponsored treatments, but they're multiple herb combinations. And there's four different types of herbal treatments. So one is burdock root that comes combined with burdock root, yellow dock root, and golden seal for preparing teas and baths. Another is a mixture of yarrow, Indian posy, cyperpedium pubescens by taking them in equal quantity and also sponge the body. They have a number three is preparing a tea with equal parts of catnip, raspberry, and mint leaf. Again, take it three or four times a day. And the last one they're recommending is add a quarter teaspoon of banana seeds with one teaspoon of coriander juice and take that once a day. So there are different things that you could do. And, and I also want to point out when you talk about three or four times a day, you bring this up all the time when you're treating something, especially if it's a virus, a serious virus and a serious condition, you have to give your body the elements it needs to fight, to travel down these different pathways throughout the day. Yes. Absolutely. And give that company name again, because, you know, the names go so fast. People say, well, I, I couldn't write down all the different herbs that you mentioned. But if you give the name of the company that you're saying is the good one with all these formulas, and that's probably going to be the most great takeaway for, for this, John. Right. If the website is Herbpathy, H-E-R-B-P-A-T-H-Y. And their mission statement is make life healthy. And it's the material medica, so it's much like going to a scientific study and seeing how they break it all down. So they give the you know the general name, the medical name, the Hindi name, the symptoms of smallpox like malaise, fatigue, lesions, headache, backache, delirium, vomiting, diarrhea, bleeding, pus-filled blisters. And then they show, okay, if smallpox is cured by, and then they have most effective and then highly effective. And then underneath that, they have the whole breakdown of all of the different natural remedies. So it's, it's really deep. I really like it. That's very cool. Okay. So 
I think that really gives us a good idea. I also want to mention that there are some homeopathics out there. So you might want to Google in homeopathic remedies for monkeypox or smallpox. And there's one in particular that I see comes up all the time called Very Demon, V-A-R-I-O-L-I-M-U-M, Variolum, V-A-R-I-O-L-I-M-U-M. And so check out the homeopathics because, again, like John said, they've been at this a long time and they have good experience in this area. And then N-acetylcysteine comes up on some of the studies for the nutraceuticals that really help too. So that's a pretty, I think we gave a pretty good overview, John, if I do say so myself. I think that people now have uh, some information and they don't have to depend exclusively on vaccines that might not be available and might not work or might have bad reactions. If they want to do the things we've talked about, at least they have an option. Well, and the thing is, they haven't tested the vaccines against this version of the monkeypox, right? They're repurposing earlier vaccines with no human-based clinical studies, whereas what we're talking about is smallpox and monkeypox. They're in the same family. These are homeopathic and herbal remedies that have been working forever. Right. Well, uh, I think it's time to say thank you to our sponsors. We've got five of them now. We have our traditional group that have been st- stood by us for over a year and a half now, Paddock Pools. And Paddock Pools is famous for their vacuum extractor that takes chlorine gas off the surface of the pool, allowing people to breathe good oxygenated water. It takes about 95% of that oxygen gas off the surface of the pool. And that's good because that gas can actually help to deplete zinc, which also then creates a problem in the pathway towards vitamin D3. And so Paddock Pools has the only system that works in this way, and I think we should recommend them to all the places wanting to put a pool in or do some renovations in their pool to get it to be a healthier swimming place. The second one is MPB Health. That's a medical cost-sharing company. They've been around for a long time, and they have a good track record of helping people to become healthier so that they don't need to go to the hospital and go to the doctor as as much as a lot of people do. The evidence of that is that they're able to get the cost reduction of regular health insurance down to like 30 to 50% less than if you were paying for any of the mainstream medical insurance companies. So MPB Health, go online and there's videos there. You can see what they're all about and how they do what they do. And then you can call an 800 number and you can get some advice on whether this is a good thing for you. Uh, Beacon Point is a financial advisor company. They've got 50 offices around the country where they're giving very personalized financial planning information to people so that they can really do a better job of managing the money. Because even if you don't have a lot of money, but you want to make sure that you protect it And the big brokerages don't always give you that kind of personalized service. And so Beacon Point does. And there's probably an office near you. I know there's one here in in Sarasota, and we use them all the time. And we've coordinated and cooperated with them over the years, about 20 years now, when they were another name company, but now they've become part of the Beacon Point group. And so I would recommend that people look at them if they need help in that area. Another one of our standard sponsors is DHA Labs. DHA Labs has been doing really a a progressive, advanced blood and urine testing and genetic testing for 
about 50 or 60 years now, and they really have a track record of doing it as excellent as it can be done. I know because I have worked with them to develop eight of my own tests that are now registered with DHA Labs and are used for everything from wellness to cancer to cardiovascular disease. So we have lots of tests that we use, and uh, their tests they go way beyond that to a lot of other topics. And so they're a full-service blood, urine, and genetic testing company. And finally, our new sponsor is Cardio Miracle. And Cardio Miracle is the product that we talked about earlier. They have 53 ingredients in there. And the evidence now is that they're, they're the only nitric oxide company in North America that can sustain optimal levels of nitric oxide in the body 24 hours a day which means that the healing properties, like I mentioned before, of repairing damaged endothelial linings and getting rid of plaque and other things that are problems in our arteries, this is something that Cardio Miracle has mastered. And so that's why we want to work with those companies, and that's why they've agreed to be a sponsor of ours. And we did two programs on them recently, and so you can actually go on the Radio MD site and you can, you can listen to those programs as well. Those are our sponsors. We really appreciate the support that they give us. We thank our listeners because without them, we wouldn't have a radio show now, would we? And so thanks to them for listening and giving us feedback. We really appreciate it. And I hope you continue to like what we do. And we'll hope to see you and hear you again. All right. Bye for now. 